quantum computing, why it took me few months, just to know what it is? A quantum computer is a machine that uses quantum mechanics to perform calculations. Hmm. Invested more time and let's simplify it further. Quantum computing is performing calculations based on the probability of an object's state before it is measured, instead of just ones or zeros, which means they have the potential to process exponentially more data compared to classical computers. Read for the super science within it and more. Classical computing, nothing what I will say here will be new. We all know by now. Classical computers carry out logical operations using the definite position of a physical state. These are usually binary, meaning its operations are based on one of two positions. A single state, such as on or off, up or down, one or zero, is called a bit. Early history, recap, computer precursors. The earliest known calculating device is probably the abacus. It dates back at least to 1100 BCE and is still in use today. It assigned different units, or weights, to each beads, rod. This scheme allowed a wide range of numbers to be represented by just a few beads. Interestingly, it didn't have zero. In 5th century, an Indian mathematician and astronomer, Aryabhata, used zero as a placeholder and in algorithms for finding square roots and cube roots in his Sanskrit treatises. Abacus beads can be readily manipulated to perform the common arithmetical operations, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, that are useful for commercial transactions and in bookkeeping. The abacus is a digital device of that time which represents values discreetly. A bead is either in one predefined position or another, representing unambiguously, say, 1 or 0. Basic fundamental of classical computing, 1 or 0. Lady Lovelace, the first programmer, 1843, Ada Lovelace went on to become the world's only expert on the process of sequencing instructions on the punched cards that the analytical engine used, that is, she became the world's first computer programmer. Source, World History Archive slash Age Photostock. In 1911 several of early business calculating machine companies combined to form the Computing Tabulating Recording Company, or Center in 1914 Thomas J. Watson Sr. left his sales manager position at the National Cash Register Company to become president of Center, and 10 years later Center changed its name to International Business Machines Corporation, or which I know now IBM. Then came Colossus, which can plausibly be described as the first electronic digital computer, and it was certainly a key stepping stone to the development of the modern computer. Although Colossus was designed to perform specific cryptographic-related calculations, it could be used for more generalized purposes. Its design pioneered the massive use of electronics in computation. The Colossus computer at Bletchley Park, Buckinghamshire, England, circa 1943 source, Jeff Robinson Photography Shutterstock.com Fast forward to decades of more machines and programming languages to microchips and operating system, most of us have seen them all. From character-based system to fancy graphical user interfaces of earlier times. Then come two whiskids of Silicon Valley, sometime in mid-1970s and I think that was the birth of new age person computing devices. Significant technological and innovating achievements has been made in similar times, by Hewlett-Packard and Microsoft to made dreams come true for computing world. Apple I Circuit Board, circa 1976. Courtesy of Apple Computer Incorporated two legends in this frame. The always computing hungry phenomena. What probably started with 8085, 8085, using approximately 6500 transistors, have come today to AMD 2990 WX, 
32 cores, 64 threads with whopping 19.2 billion transistors, and Intel's Core i9-7980Z, 18 core, 7 billion transistors, probably two of the fastest computer processing units as on date. 8085 microchip made by Mitsubishi Japan. 8085 internal architecture plain vanilla simple for today, S world. The world's first 32-core processor and the world's most powerful desktop processor in one, second-gen AMD Ryzen Threadripper, $1800 plus monster. The Core i9-9900KF is an 8-core, 16-thread processor with a base clock of 3.6 GHz and a boost of 5.0 GHz. Why possibly we could reach a threshold and need something new to compute? The AI and deep learning computing needs are doubling every three and a half months. Humanity produces the same amount of data as all of mankind up to 2003, every two days. Computing trends show that we are now in the region of exascale data, which refers to computers capable of performing 10 superscript 18 computations per second. We are essentially having no choice but to turn to parallel computing. Computing power has always been an issue, but nowadays the biggest issue is that the data we have is just getting too big to handle. Even if we assume Moore's law still to hold, data production is exponential whereas Moore's law is linear. The amount of data available to process quickly incapacitates any general purpose computer, or set of computers. A list of computational complexities for a variety of different machine learning algorithms. Source. The possible end of Moore's law. The phenomenon that the number of transistors on a CPU doubles around every two years, is still observed to some extent, but the assumption that computing power still scales exactly with the area has been seen to have broken down. This assumption of the scaling of power density is known as Dennard scaling. Dennard scaling states, roughly, that as transistors get smaller their power density stays constant, so that the power use stays in proportion with area, both voltage and current scale, downward, with length. Designs are needed that can dynamically select parts of the chip to power on, this is an active area of computational research that will become increasingly important as time passes and Moore's law continues to deviate from its original predictions. So what could be a new new? In simplest word. Need to harnesses some of the almost mystical phenomena of quantum mechanics to deliver huge leaps forward in processing power. The secret to this power lies in its ability to generate and manipulate quantum bits, or bits which are typically subatomic particles such as electrons or photons, using superconducting circuits cooled to temperatures colder than deep space and trapping individual atoms in electromagnetic fields on a silicon chip in ultra-high vacuum chambers. Wow! Couldn't understand a thing smile. All computing systems rely on a fundamental ability to store and manipulate information. Current computers manipulate individual bits, which store information as binary 0 and 1 states. Quantum computers leverage quantum mechanical phenomena to manipulate information. To do this, they rely on quantum bits, or bits. Listen to Dr. Talia Gershon, Senior Manager of Q Experiences at IBM Research. In it, she explains quantum computing to a child, a teenager, a college student and a graduate student, and then discusses quantum computing myths and challenges with Professor Steve Gervin from Yale University. A must-watch. The super-science within it. Understanding qubit. A qubit is a vector of two complex numbers with unit length. Pits are quite different from bits. For starters, a bit is either 0 or 1. There are no probabilities here, it's either known to be a 0 or it's known to be a 1. A qubit, conversely, is inherently probabilistic, 
meaning that two identical bits may have different values once measured. Take a moment to really consider the gravity of this. This means that quantum computing is inherently probabilistic. Another key difference, with bits, we can read the bit as many times as we want without affecting the state of the bit. But with bits, once measured, it decoheres, loses its quantum properties, and collapses to one of two measurable states. Hence, we cannot unmeasure a qubit, once measured, the quantum nature is destroyed and cannot be recovered. Qubit notation, we often denote bits using Dirac notation, also known as Brockett notation. This notation is just a convenient way to write vectors. The bra represents row vectors and is denoted, the ket represents column vectors and is denoted. For example, we can write the 0 and 1 states of a qubit in Brockett notation as follows, be careful not to confuse what's inside the bra slash ket with what's inside the vector. Quantum gates and circuit diagrams. Let's get some context for why quantum gates are unitary matrices. First of all, Quantum gates will be implemented by physical devices, and so they must abide by the laws of quantum physics. One relevant law of physics is that no information is ever lost when transitioning between points in the past and the future superscript 1. This is known as unitarity. Since our quantum gates define how we transition between states, they too must abide by unitarity. Secondly, note that our quantum gates will be applied to bits. We learned earlier that bits are really just vectors, and so that means quantum gates must somehow operate on vectors. Fortunately, we recall that a matrix is actually just a linear transformation for vectors. Combining these two ideas, we think of quantum gates as unitary matrices. A unitary matrix is any square matrix of complex numbers such that the conjugate transpose is equal to its inverse. As a quick refresher, the conjugate transpose of a matrix is found by taking the conjugate of each element in the matrix, A plus by A, by, and then taking the transpose of the matrix, element ij element g. We typically denote the conjugate transpose by the dagger. At a higher level, the fact that all quantum gates are invertible is why we often think of quantum computing as a form of reversible computing. Then there are pretty complex topics like H and Kant quantum gates and quantum circuit diagrams etc. I am not touching these topics in his post smile. Superposition Pits can represent numerous possible combinations of 1 and 0 at the same time. This ability to simultaneously be in multiple states is called superposition. To put pits into superposition, researchers manipulate them using precision lasers or microwave beams. Thanks to this counterintuitive phenomenon, a quantum computer with several pits in superposition can crunch through a vast number of potential outcomes simultaneously. The final result of a calculation emerges only once the pits are measured which immediately causes their quantum state to collapse to either 1 or 0. Source Entanglement Researchers can generate pairs of bits that are entangled, which means the two members of a pair exist in a single quantum state. Changing the state of one of the bits will instantaneously change the state of the other one in a predictable way. This happens even if they are separated by very long distances. Nobody really knows quite how or why entanglement works. It even baffled Einstein, who famously described it as spooky action at a distance. But it's key to the power of quantum computers. In a conventional computer, doubling the number of bits doubles its processing power. But thanks to entanglement, adding extra bits to a quantum machine produces an exponential increase in its number crunching ability. Decoherence The interaction of bits with their environment in ways that cause their quantum behavior to decay and ultimately disappear is called decoherence. Their quantum state is extremely fragile. 
the slightest vibration or change in temperature, disturbances known as noise in quantum speak, can cause them to tumble out of superposition before their job has been properly done. That's why researchers do their best to protect bits from the outside world in those supercooled fridges and vacuum chambers. So far, researchers haven't been able to generate more than 128 standard bits. So we're still many years away from getting quantum computers that will be broadly useful. What it means to a regular, you and I? Can we try running some code on quantum computers today? Good news is yes. There are few accessible options I see today. You can use Regetti's quantum computer since they are currently giving out free credit to beta users. Alternatively, we can also use IBM's quantum computer or even Microsoft quantum hardware code simulator which they are planning to add in Azure. I will take example of Regetti's. They have also made this as part of AWS cloud services and there are Forest SDK and all the tool sets of Quill to build and test quantum code. Microsoft Research has already delivered a first cut at a quantum programming environment in Liquid Vertical Bar, usually referred to as Liquid, a set of tools to simulate a 30-qubit environment on a PC with 32 gigabytes of memory. Microsoft says you'll be able to deploy large quantum simulators with more than 40 bits in 16 terabytes on Azure, though solving problems of that size will take a long time without the acceleration of a real quantum computer. A sample to run Python code on Regetti's simulator. Here's a basic overview of the Regetti quantum programming process. Write a Python program that specifies your quantum circuit and any additional code necessary. Test that Python program using a quantum simulator. Reserve time on Regetti's quantum computer. Send your program over to Regetti's servers. Execute your program on Regetti's server. They'll send your quantum program to their quantum computer for you. A small sample of quantum circuit diagram code. From PyQuil.Quil import program from PyQuil.API import from PyQuil.Gates import hash apply h to qubit 0, then knot to qubit 0 and 1p equals program h0, knot 0, 1 hash get info for a 2 qubit quantum virtual mechanic equals get underscore qc 2 qqvm hash simulate program results equals qc.run underscore and underscore measure p, trials equals den print list zip results 0, results 1 hash apply h to qubit 1, then cot to qubit 1 and 2p equals program h1, cot 1, 2 hash get info for a real 2 qubit quantum computer named aspen 4 2 qac equals get underscore qc aspen 4 2 q a hash send program to the quantum computer and run it results equals qc.run underscore and underscore measure p, trials equals 10 print list zip results 1, results 2. The results will look similar to this. 0, 0, 1, 1, 1, 1, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 1, 1, 0, 0, 0, 0, 1, 1, 0, 0, 0, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 0, 0, 0, 0, 1, 1, 1, 0, 0, 0. The first row corresponds to the simulator, and the results seem reasonable, we get, 0, 0, roughly half the time and, 1, 1, the remaining times. However, with a real quantum computer, aside from the expected, 0, 0, and, 1, 1, we also receive, 0, 1, and, 1, 0. According to the math, we should only ever receive, 0, 0, and, 1, 1, so what's going on? 
the issue is that real quantum computers today, 2019, are still quite error-prone. For example, we might see an error rate of 2 to 3% when trying to initialize pits to zero. And we might have another 1 to 2% error rate per single qubit gate operation, and around 3 to 4% for 2 qubit gate operations. We even have error rates when measuring the qubit. In practice, these errors accumulate and result in incorrect values. Long path from science labs to quantum glory. John Preskill has introduced the term quantum supremacy to refer to the hypothetical speed-up advantage that a quantum computer would have over a classical computer in a certain field. Google announced in 2017 that it expected to achieve quantum supremacy by the end of the year though that did not happen. IBM said in 2018 that the best classical computers will be beaten on some practical task within about five years and views the quantum supremacy test only as a potential future benchmark. Although skeptics like Gil Kali doubt that quantum supremacy will ever be achieved, Google has been reported to have done so, with calculations more than 3 million times as fast as those of Summit, generally considered the world's fastest computer. Bill Unruh doubted the practicality of quantum computers in a paper published back in 1994. Paul Davis argued that a 400-qubit computer would even come into conflict with the cosmological information bound implied by the holographic principle. In October 2019, a Sycamore processor created in conjunction with Google AI Quantum was reported to have achieved quantum supremacy. There are a number of technical challenges in building a large-scale quantum computer, and thus far quantum computers have yet to solve a problem faster than a classical computer. David DiVincenzo, of IBM, listed the following requirements for a practical quantum computer. Scalable physically to increase the number of bits. Pits that can be initialized to arbitrary values. Quantum gates that are faster than decoherence time. Universal gate set. Pits that can be read easily. Happy innovating. You all have a great last few days of 2019 and happy holidays. Best, VK.